Okay, would you pray with me as, uh, as we begin asking God to speak to us through his word? Father, I thank you uh, that we are able to be here. I thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you want to speak to us. What an amazing thing, God, that you want to speak to us, that you want, that you want to interact with our lives. And you know our lives. You know the different things going on. You know the different things that we bring. You see our world, God, and you want to be a part of what is going on. So we thank you for that. And we ask that you would make this time helpful for our souls, that you would make it useful for us. Lord, would you help me to speak your word truthfully, faithfully? God, I pray right now, I just know that different people have different things going on as we come into here. And for some of us, it might be even hard to pay attention just because of what life has. And uh, for some of us, there's so many weights on us and so many burdens on us. Maybe for some, there's so much guilt on us. And it's hard to even enter into a, a clear mental space to be able to receive from you. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would remove those barriers. That by your power, you would allow, whether online or in person, allow us, God, to hear from you. You want to meet with us. And so we pray, allow that to happen. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, let me say this too, just in case you don't know. It's totally fine when you come here to bring um, a shade tent. Some people have done that different times. And maybe for some of you, you feel like, ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the obnoxious person that has a giant shade tent or something. But it's okay. You can, you can, bring, a whole, you can bring a swimming pool and like a, whoa, uh, a kiddie pool and sit in it. I, I don't care what you do. You can um, do whatever is going to, well, I mean, I do care some of what you do. But you, you can you know, do whatever is going to make you uh, comfortable. Uh, out here, okay? So just know that for, for future time uh, that it's totally fine to do that. All right, we're going to be in Psalm 16, and we are in a series going through the Psalms that we have. This is uh, week six, and we have a couple more weeks doing that. And then we're actually going to be in a series in Proverbs. So we're going to be going through the book of Proverbs, which I'm really excited about. For some of you, uh, maybe the Psalms has been really helpful. And I know I've talked to some of you that really enjoy the Psalms because it really is giving voice to uh, the emotional kind of side of life. It gives voice to uh, prayers and longings and angst that we have. And uh, so, so for some of you, you've really probably enjoyed that. Proverbs is a super practical book. So if you don't like emotions at all and you just want to get down to the nitty gritty of like, tell me what to do, Proverbs is that book. And it's a great book to just help you know how to figure out life, how, how God's wisdom speaks into life. And so if you're a little sick of this series, then we'll move into one for you. And if you've loved this series, it's okay. Proverbs is great as well. But uh, we've, we've got something for everybody this summer. Okay, so just a little heads up on that. Now, we're, we, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Psalm 16 today. And so if, you are, uh, if you've got a Bible, make sure to open it up to that section. If you're online, you can use uh, the Bible app for that, or you can obviously uh, pull it up yourself. Where do you need right now in your life, where do you feel like you need confidence? Where do you feel like you need some confidence? And confidence is normally something we need when we're unsure of something. 
So it's either something that we feel that we need when there's some sort of problems that we're experiencing in life and, and we need confidence to kind of get through it, or it's something we might feel that we need when there's a possibility maybe of some problems. And, and hey, over there, I see you guys over there in the shade. It's good. I just looked over and I was like, hey, we got people joining from their house. Good to see you. Um, and so wh- wherever, wherever you are feeling, maybe there's some possibility of, of needing help or there's actual problems and you feel like you need help, confidence is what we feel like we need. And so I, I don't know what the situation is like for you right now. I know even just some conversations today, maybe you've got some interviews coming up and you're feeling like, man, I need some confidence for that. Maybe you've got relationship stuff going on and you feel the need to know, man, I don't know if I can face this problem. I don't know if I'm able to work this stuff out and we need some confidence. Maybe there's a conversation that you know that you need to have and you think about the possible outcomes of what it could lead to and you're unsure and you feel like, man, I need, I'm not sure if I can do this. I need some confidence. And here's what confidence says. Confidence usually says one of these two things. It says, it's going to be okay. Or confidence says this phrase, which we hear a lot. And even during kind of this time, people have said this a lot uh, with a we in front of it. But confidence either says, it's going to be okay. Or it says, you got this. Or there's a lot of Colorado sayings saying, come on, Denver, we've got this. We can make it through this. We've got this. That's what confidence says. That's kind of the voice of confidence. It says that it's going to be okay. Therefore, you know, relax, be calm, have some joy, have some peace, rest. It's going to be okay. Or it says, you've got this. Now, the problem with that, the problem with what is often called self-confidence, the problem with that is we don't actually know, right? I mean, you don't actually know if it is going to be okay. It might, I wish I could tell you all, whatever you're facing, it's going to be okay. But it might not be okay. It might crumble. It might be awful. Let's pray and close our time together and you can go with that encouraging truth, you know. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm just saying we don't know, right? Bad things have happened in your life. Bad things have happened in my life. So you don't know if it's gonna be okay and you don't know if you've got this. Those are saying kind of in some ways, I know what it's trying to do. It's trying to help you have some hope and some optimism, but really you don't know. And so that's the problem with confidence. But the reality is we still need what confidence offers. We still need what self-confidence offers to us, which is that peace that we're looking for, that hope that we're looking for, that joy that we are looking for. We, we still need that. So how do you get it? And the Psalms that we are going to, the Psalm that we are going to look at today, Psalm 16, is in the category of a Psalms of confidence is what they're called. Psalms of confidence. And Psalm 23 falls into that category, which is one of the most famous psalms. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 16. But it falls into the category of confidence, which is really taking, here's kind of the phrase for this. And I'm not as excited about this phrase as I've been about other ones. So if you feel the need to judge me, it's okay. I've judged myself as well. But here's what the phrase is. It's that it takes our problems and meets it with God's presence. It moves our focus from our problems to God's presence presence. It's okay. It's decent. Okay. It's like a seven, seven and a half maybe. Okay. But it moves from our problems to God's presence. That's what Psalms of confidence do. Now, Psalm 16, we're going to look at kind of three parts. He has a request. He has some reasons for his confidence. And then the result 
what happens. And we, we did this once before. We did it online, so maybe some of you uh, weren't participating with that. But I'm gonna, in each of these sections that we read, I'm going to then stop and just give you a moment to pray that so we can just kind of have an interactive workshop here together, okay? So I'm going to read kind of what it is and then ask you, instead of just reading a prayer, to actually pray that prayer. So whatever it is that's going on in your life right now where you feel maybe there's some sort of problem or maybe there's a possibility of a problem where it is that you feel you need confidence, let's even today, not homework, let's today, outdoors, baby, let's, let's take that today and bring that to God, okay? So Psalm 16, here is the request. He says this, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, he's just speaking of other, uh, at this time they wouldn't have been called Christians, but other people in God's family. So for us, it's other Christians. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. He's saying, I align myself with them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. We pursue other gods. We pursue idolatrous things. And it looks good in the moment, but ultimately our sorrows multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood and I will not speak their names with my lips. So he starts with a request. And listen, this is the first step. This is, I'm gonna take all of those coups as amens and that will help my confidence, okay? So the, the, the first step is humility. The first step is actually humility. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, his request starts with coming to God and saying, I need you. I've got, and if you are to say to God, I've got nothing else besides you and whatever problem it is, do you see how different that is from the voice of, I've got this? Do you see how different it is than, than just to say, it's going to be okay? To say, I've got no hope except for you. It's actually, in some ways, moving away from confidence to a posture of weakness and saying, my, my hope, my belief that it's going to be okay isn't because of me. It's because I'm saying, I've got nothing except for you. And that's where he starts is with a request. That's the first step. Humility, not self, God. Weakness, not strength. Asking. And he asks him, he says, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. Protect me from whatever it is that you feel like you need protection from, whatever possibility there might be that you face. And he's saying when he says, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you, I said to the Lord, you're my Lord. The Lord already knows that. But what he's just saying to God is, be for me who I know you are. Be for me who you've already said that you are. Be that. You've, God, you've said so many things about yourself. So will you be that to me right now? Because you're all I've got. That's the request. We are often tempted to go elsewhere whether that's to ourselves to get some sort of confidence or to plan out what the outcome is going to be. So then have some confidence because we know what it's going to be to map out the data, to make a good plan. Our confidence often is tempted in these things. And what he is saying is start with this, a request of humility that says, you're all I have. And he calls him his refuge. And when I think about that word refuge, there's a lot of different things that we could think of or a lot of different images that come to mind. But, but refuge, I, I think about, we have this tent. And when, when I bought our tent, I did all the research on Amazon. I watched all the videos. I, I wanted to make sure that we had a tent that could withstand rain, that could withstand uh, wind, that could withstand 
the apocalypse, whatever it was, I wanted a tent that could last through anything. And it's called the weather master. It's a great tent. And that is what I wanted is a master of the weather. And we were recently camping and it was pouring down raining and it was super windy. Someone, the campsite next to us, they had to leave in the middle of the night. And our tent was a refuge. It stood the test of time. It was great. Um, And that is what refuge is. Refuge is the stuff around you might be chaotic. Refuges, you can hear the wind, you can hear the rain. Stuff around you might not be good in your life, but you have a refuge that actually allows you to be protected, that actually allows you to be safe. And he says, God, be that for me. Stuff around is not good. The problems, the possibilities are not good. Be for me who you say you are because you're all that I have got. So that's the request. Now, here's what I want to just ask you to do. Take 30 seconds. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be that long, but just, would you just, I'm sure we've all got something, right? We've all got something in our life that there's the possibility of it or the actual problem of it. Would you just take 30 seconds and pray to God and put this in your own words, put this in your own words and just humbly right now, come to God and say, you're who I need. You're who I need. Take 30 seconds and and pray that. And please do that online as well with your coffee and your pajamas and your air conditioner. Okay, second part is this. He moves from his request, he moves from his request where he humbles himself before God to now giving himself reasons, reminding himself of truth about who God is, which we've seen this all throughout the Psalms. He gives himself reasons to trust God, reasons to have confidence in God. He's coming to him, requesting him to be something, and now He's giving himself and reminding himself of all of the reasons why he can have confidence in God. Listen, if that seems weird or kind of like, I don't know, maybe super spiritual or something, it's the same thing we do when we're trying to give ourselves self-confidence. So we say, hey, you've got this. You, you know, you're trained for this. You've done this before. You, you know, they, if you're going to have a hard conversation, they love you. It's going to be okay. They, they know that you want the best for them. If, if it's a job interview, man, you, you've, you did great at your last job. You're going to kill it. Everyone's going to like, like we give ourselves reasons to have confidence. The difference with our confidence being rooted in God is we know that those are 100% true. And so it actually gives us a greater reason for confidence. So he gives himself the request, and now here are the reasons. And and by the way, let me say with this, just trust me is never enough. God never says to you, just trust me, without an entire weight of who he has already revealed himself to be in his character and in his actions. God never just says to you in whatever you're going through in your life, just trust me. He says, here is who I am. Here is what I've done. Therefore, because of all that, you can trust me. So we always need the reasons. And here's three reasons he gives. I'll I'll read these verses and then go back through it. He says, Lord, in verse five, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful 
inheritance. So his first reason is, God, you are good. He says, you are my portion. And portion is talking about, I mentioned this in, um, I think it was in Luke, actually, several, maybe, I don't know, time is all gone wild. I think it was four years ago. I don't, I don't know, okay? But it, the portion is like the good part of the meat. And he is saying, God, you are my portion. You are the good part of the meat, the best part. He says, you are my cup of blessing. That switches the analogy a little bit. The portion is to say, God, you are the best that I have. You are good. To say you're the cup of blessing is to imagine a cup that's pouring out blessings. So it's to say, God, you are the source, the fountain of all the good things that I have in my life. So not only are you yourself the good, you are also the source of all good that I have. You are the source of my family. You are the source of my house. You are the source of my wealth, my income. You are the source of my health if you have it. You are the source of my abilities if you have them. You are the source of, if you had a great cup of coffee this morning or iced coffee right now, you are the source of all the good in my life, the cup of blessing, my portion. And he says, you hold my future. To think about someone holding the future is to make the future a very insignificant thing in some ways. And I don't mean your future's insignificant. I just mean it's very small. If, I, if you can hold something, it's not very powerful. And to say that God holds the future is to say God has power over your future. God has power over our future. So what he is doing right here is giving himself a reason to trust God, a reason to have confidence in God. And his reason is this, you are good. You're the source of all good in my life. You yourself are good. You're going to keep being good to me. And then he says this. He says that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And, and that's kind of weird language that maybe doesn't quite make sense to us. It's referring back into the Old Testament, the tribes of Israel. There's 12 different tribes of Israel. And when, when uh, God distributed the land to them, he gave them each different sections of land. But the Levites from the tribe of Levi, the Levites were not given a piece of land. They were the pastors. They were not given a piece of land. Instead, what God told them is, I'm your inheritance. I am your portion. I am your land that you get. You get me. And now maybe some of you think that's a, a rough end of the stick, but, but for them, God was saying, there, there might be all sorts of other things taken away from you. There might be all sorts of good things that you could have, but I'm giving you myself. And David is claiming that for himself. And as Christians, we can claim that for ourselves as well. Is that God has not given us a piece of land and said, here's the gift I give you. He has said, I give you me. I give you me. Which means this. There might be all sorts of things in life you don't have. There might be all sorts of things that other people have that you don't have. But God has said, I give you me. And I am good. That's one of the reasons that we have to trust him. The second reason that we have to trust him is that he is our guide Verse seven says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me or who instructs me, teaches me. Even at night when my thoughts trouble me, I will always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. He says, here's reason two. Reason one, you're good. Reason two, you guide me. You guide me. Are you troubled by thoughts? Are you troubled by decisions that you have to make, things that you have to figure out, things that you're confused by, things you don't know what to do? He, David says that at night, his thoughts trouble him. Oftentimes it is at night, right? When everything else is kind of shut down and then we're just there in bed and now the thoughts start coming. 
and we're troubled. We're troubled. I don't know what you're troubled by, but oftentimes we're troubled about the possibilities, about the problems. Where is it in life you're not sure what to do? And what he says, one of the reasons that he can trust God instead of just saying, hey, you don't know what to do, it's fine, you've got it. He says, no, 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 no. Here's, here's my reason for confidence. Here's my reason for trust. You guide me. You know what's going on, even if I don't. You've got wisdom, even if I don't. You know the way, even when I don't. When I was a kid, I went fishing several times with my grandpa and was able to catch tons of fish. And it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with my grandpa. Now that I've got children, I've bought fishing poles, and we haven't caught anything. And so this week I went into Cabela's and I was bothering the person that works there and was like, hey, what is this? What is this? Tell me how to use this. What is this? What is this? And I literally talked to him for probably 20 or 30 minutes, asking him lots of questions. And he was able to sell me some things, so he probably was happy about that. But I wanted to take him as a guide to come with me. And I needed a guide because I don't know what I'm doing. You see, in life, a lot of times we don't know what we're doing and we need a guide you don't just need more self-confidence to tell you you've got it under control. You need someone that knows this world and has all the wisdom that says, I want to guide you. That's the beautiful thing. Listen, God wants to guide you. Sometimes as Christians, if you're a Christian here, and if you, maybe especially if you grew up in the church and there's this horrible notion that we need to like beg God to tell us his will. And we need to almost trick God and God, what's your will for me? And like God's this, he's just this bad person that you have to beg to tell us his will. God wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you wisdom. The stuff that you're confused about and that you're not sure about, God wants to speak to you. He says, I am your guide. He's not hiding it from you. What's our responsibility? David says, David says here, I will always let the Lord guide me. See, it's not that God's hiding anything from you, but we need to let him guide us, which means we have to ask him. It means we have to read his word and listen to what he says. It means we have to submit our hearts. He is wanting to guide us. We have to let him. The problem is not normally that we're not hearing God. The problem is that we're not actively seeking to listen to God or obey God. That's the second reason he gives. You are good, you guide. And then lastly, he says this, therefore, verse nine, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. And really what he's saying there is, you're not gonna leave me. You're not gonna leave me now and you're not gonna leave me in death. That no matter what happens, see, I, I love the honesty actually here because he's saying, I might die. It might be so bad that I might die. It might get so hard that the problems might actually evolve to a place where death is what happens. But even then, for eternity, I will experience joy with you at your right hand, that you will not abandon me. You will not leave me. That is the great promise that we have from God, that he will not leave you. If you belong to him, he will not leave you. 
He will, never, he will not leave you in this earth, no matter what you're facing. Psalm 23, one of the great psalms of confidence, even in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. So here, no matter what you're facing, he will be with you. Even if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, he will be with you. He will not abandon you. Maybe some of you have been abandoned at various points in your life. Maybe your family has abandoned you. Maybe your friends have abandoned you. Maybe some of you have experienced that. God says, I will not abandon you. I will be with you now and all the way into death. And in my presence, there is joy. And you can have that. You see, he will not leave us. Even if the worst happens, we have him. He is now revealing life to us and he will do the same for eternity. So I want you to take those three truths. The reasons that David has for confidence. Truth number one, you are good. Truth number two, you guide me. Truth number three is that you will not abandon me. And I want you to just pray those things to God. Take a minute and whatever problem you're facing, whatever's going on, allow your heart to be reminded and pray to him that he is good, that he guides you, and that he will not abandon you. Take a minute and pray those things. And then we'll see the final results of what David says. Here's the results that David gives to us. What, what happens if we face our problems with his presence? If we face our problems with his presence instead of just, I've got this and it's going to be okay. If instead we face our problems with his presence and the reasons for that, that he's good and he guides and he won't leave us. If we do that, what happens? We, we already read it, but I just want to come back to it. It says in verse 9, Therefore, my heart is glad. And my whole being rejoices. My body also rests secure. This is what we want from self-confidence, but God gives it to us even better. He says that we are not shaken. It means stuff comes at us, but we're able to stand firm. See, to not be shaken means that something is trying to shake you. It means that life around you is shaky, but you stand firm. There's an old, oldie song, um, Stand By Me. You guys know that song? It's a great song, and I really want to sing it, and I might, but it's, but it's basically, you know, the chorus is, and darling, darling, stand by me, right? Oh, stand by me. Okay, but he, but he says, Throughout the thing, he says, here's some of the lyrics. When the night has come and the land is dark and the moon is the only light we'll see. No, I won't be afraid. 
And then he says later, if the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall, or the mountains should crumble to the sea, that's pretty bad, right? If the sky should fall and the mountains should crumble to the sea, I won't cry, I won't cry, I won't shed a tear just as long as you stand by me, right? Okay, so that is a truth that is tapping into something we believe. That if we have someone next to us that we know loves us and is for us, the mountains could crumble and we're gonna be okay. The sky could fall, but if we have someone that is next to us that loves us and is for us, we're not shaken, we're not afraid. See, if that's true with love romantically in the 50s or whenever the song came out, I mean, isn't, isn't that true with God? Because you are at my right hand, I will not be shaken. He says, my heart is glad. There's a peace and a contentment. My whole being rejoices. There's joy. And my body, even physically, it is affected. Because physically we experience the symptoms of anxiety and, and un uncertainty. And he says, even physically I'm able to rest. Not because I know I've got this. Not because I know it's all going to be okay. But because I know that you are a God that is good, that is going to guide me, and that will not abandon me. And because of that, I won't be shaken. I can have joy. I can rest. You want confidence? You want confidence for whatever it is that you're facing, whatever possibilities, whatever problems. You want confidence? You want to stand firm? Whatever you're, whatever's going on with you? I know I do. I know I want that. David gives us the way. Not self-confidence, but confidence in him. Moving from our problems to his presence. So let me just give you these last couple things of what to do with this. And then we'll close. First is this. This, this is what David does in the beginning. Decide it's him. Decide it's God. I've got no one else besides you. Decide that in your heart. Run away from the trap of self-confidence and decide it's God. That's first. Second, listen to him. Let him guide you. Listen to what he says. And then third is to write to him, which is what I've been encouraging you to do every week to write your own psalm to him. Take Psalm 16 and turn it into your own words. Listen, the word of God is inspired, but the method of God is inspired also. And what I mean by that is there's a reason that God gave us a book. And there's a reason even that he shows us that we can write our prayers and that that means something. I believe it's an invitation for us even to write and sing our prayers. So, Decide it's him, listen to him, and write to him. We're going to take communion. And when we take communion, what we're remembering is that Jesus is the good God. Jesus is the one that showed God's ultimate goodness, dying for us on the cross, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. To let himself be our portion. We talk about the portion being the good, the good meal. And Jesus even says, use a meal to remember me that I am good and for you. Look how much I'm for you. We have more reason than David. Look how much I'm good. Look how much I'm for you on the cross. My grace for you. And we see that he guides us and we can trust him because even in the worst possible thing, he brought the ultimate good out of it on the cross. And we can know that he will never abandon us because on the cross, Jesus himself experienced the abandonment 
that we deserve, but he did it for us in our place so that God never has to abandon us and we can belong to him now and forever. So as you take communion, I want you to remember that. We're gonna give you a couple minutes, just Andres, you can come up. We're gonna give you a couple minutes just to, to spend some time taking communion and praying. And you can do this at home as well. And you can also take this time to, to take a next step. If a next step for you is to serve and to say, I wanna to respond to God. I want to give my life to him and be a part of what he's doing. We, we would love for you to sign up to serve, to give, to use your resources that God has given you to bless others, to join a community group or some other next step, whatever that might be. You can take this time to respond in obedience. And so would you take this time now with me? I'll pray for us and then just spend a couple minutes praying and then we'll stand and worship. Father, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are for us. God, I know there's so many problems and so many possibilities of what could happen, but we have confidence because of who you are, not because of who we are. We have confidence because you are good, because you guide, and because you are present. We thank you for that truth, Jesus. Let that truth go deeper into our hearts as we take communion and worship in your name. Amen.